What's up, everyone, and welcome to the re- weekly wrap-up show here on the All-American Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carr, with episode one of this weekly sports show. So in this show, we will recap top headlines of the week in the sports world, and I'll get my opinion on them as well. And in the future, we hope to add some special guests, get their uh, analysis and insight on uh, some of these big headlines, biggest events in sports. Now, we got an eventful episode today. Uh, I'll preview that in just a bit, but I'll talk about the show because right now we do not have set schedule. I'm recording this around 4 o'clock on Sunday night, by the way. Um, so if anything happens before you know the time it gets posted, and, uh, and now that's why it's not covered. Um, but we do not have a set schedule right now for when the show will come out. It will obviously be every week. But um, I'll let you guys know when episodes come out, any other scheduling things on the Instagram. Um, that is All American Sports Podcast. All one word is the Instagram uh, username, by the way. For those of you who aren't followed on there, got all our links, all our episodes, everything on there. Um, but I'll let you guys know, I'll keep you guys updated on the show when it's released, how you can listen to it. Um, so it'll hopefully be a lot of fun. I hope to get some fans on here as well, along with some guests. We've seen some great guests appear on the podcast, looking to continue that. Um, so back to today's episode, cause we got a lot to talk about and I want to get through it somewhat quickly. So you guys can, you know, not just listen to this for like 45 minutes where it kind of drags on, just listen to me talk the whole time. I hope to get some guests. I hope to make it kind of somewhat brief. Um, but also give you know some deep analysis as well and fit it into a really nice show. So today we got MLB, NBA, and NFL, a lot of big headlines. Uh, usually we'll do around three is my plan, um, but today we got a bonus one in the NFL. Uh, and that's where we'll start. We got Carson Wentz. He is out five to 12 weeks undergoing foot surgery along with Quentin Nelson, his teammate on the old line. So that's going to be, you know, rough for the, uh, for the already rough schedule of the, uh, of the Colts to begin the season. We'll talk about what that means, who they can replace Wentz with, um, and how they will conquer the beginning of the season without their two stars on the offensive side. We also had a full-out brawl at the New York Giants practice as training camp gets underway for a lot of teams. The Giants um, and Joe Judge, their head coach, disciplining them like a high school football team, I thought. I mean, they were doing sprints, push-ups. That's just, oh, that's crazy to me. Um, but, the you know, the, it's not just an offense-defense battle. It was everybody on the team reportedly started by a few dirty hits. Then you had the quarterback, Daniel Jones, ending up on the bottom of the pile. Oh, it was just a mess. We'll talk about what that means for them and their upcoming season. We also got some NBA content. Summer League is coming up. We'll talk about that a bit, but mostly free agency. We had a crazy first few days of free agency. We saw a post on the Instagram there. Um, We'll go over the superlatives so far, best and worst signings, best value, most overrated, and we'll get into that and some of the recent signings as well. And then MLB, that's where we'll start today's episode talking about. We got the trade deadline. Uh, We see the fallout from it for a few teams, especially my Boston Red Sox, who are currently on a losing streak uh, because of it. But we'll talk about the biggest winners, losers, and why the MLB needs a salary cap. As I mentioned, that's where we'll start. We're going to start with the best uh, team, best winner, or biggest winner 
it was the L.A. Dodgers. No surprise here. They acquired Max Scherzer, Trey Turner at the deadline. Two superstars. Uh, Turner right now, in my eyes, is a top three uh, National League MVP candidate. They add him uh, to an already loaded offense when they have Corey Seager, one of the cornerstones of their franchise, at shortstop. Turner now added. He'll play second base. And Max Scherzer to an already deadly rotation, even without Trevor Bauer included. I mean, this rotation is easily the best in baseball when healthy. In the playoffs, I mean, it just feels like it's the Dodgers and everybody else. They are on another planet in terms of their talent level. I know they might not be showing in on the field just yet, but oh, just wait till the postseason. And, and that's why the MLB needs a salary cap. It is just ridiculous how much talent... This team can have. I just, I actually just saw a graphic on Instagram like a few minutes as I was getting ready to record the show. I can't remember it exactly, but we know the Indians are the lowest, they have the lowest payroll in baseball. It's something like 40, 50 million. And the Dodgers have four times as much. They got like 250 or 260 million. It is absolutely absurd. Rob Manfred needs a salary cap. We, we post that on the Instagram. We, you know, earlier in the season, how, you know, they can enhance fan experience, make games more fun to watch, improve Major League Baseball as a whole. And the salary cap is at the top of that list. Um, And I think it still is. It's just ridiculous how much talent one team can have. Um, And, and, you know, it's just, it's not balanced. It's not fair. It's not fair to other teams. Um, it's, it's plain and simple. You know, that's it. Rob Manfred, a lot of things he can do for Major League Baseball. I think the salary cap, if I'm, the, if I'm stepping in as the commissioner, that's the one thing I'm instituting. And I know you'd have to probably sort it out, you know, fix up some contracts, but it's well worth it. You know, it just, it's unfair how good one team can be, um, which is the Dodgers right now. I mean, look at their rotation. Picture this. And an already loaded offense. I'm not going to go over all that because we know they're, you know, they're stars. You got Seager, you got Bellinger, Mookie Betts. Justin Turner, Max Muncy, now Trey Turner, whatever. This rotation, when healthy, in the postseason, consists of Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, and probably Bauer is the fourth starter. And then off the in the bullpen, you got Dustin May and Julio Urias. That's, I mean, that's just crazy to me. Crazy, crazy stuff. And I, I know, as mentioned, they're on the wild card right now, but... In the postseason, this team's going to be on another level. And I think Major League Baseball needs to do something, not just even the Dodgers. I mean, we see the Yankees. They, they just, I mean, they're already having a huge payroll. They're not successful. They're fighting for basically third place, maybe second. We'll see. But they just acquired Gallo and Rizzo at the deadline like it's nothing. And they just flipped from for prospects. I, I just, you know... It's just sad. It's sad because the owners right now, you know, they have their budgets. They can fix everything up. But at the end of the day, you need a limit. You need a limit. You need a minimum, too, I think, um, as to far, yeah, you know, as to how much teams can spend. But I think that's necessary for Major League Baseball. Uh, as far as the worst team, because that's just, you know, salary cap, Major League Baseball. i talked about it for a while, but that's something I'm really passionate about. Um, a big baseball guy, I think that's, you know, what they need to fix uh, Major League Baseball. It should be at the top of the list, top of the bucket list, to-do list, whatever. But the worst team, I think, at the deadline was my Boston Red Sox. And it wasn't totally even the, the moves that they made or the lack of the moves that they made. But 
you know, how much better everybody else in that division got. You know, there, it's very rare to see four playoff contenders, four serious playoff contenders in one division. But that's the case in the AL East. You got the Blue Jays um, right now sitting at the fourth spot, even though they are great. We'll talk about them, too, because they made a big move at the deadline with Jose Barrios. Um, and then you got the Orioles down in the basement. They're not the playoff contender. But then you have the Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, and then, as I mentioned, the Blue Jays. All playoff contenders, all in a tight battle. Um, and, you know, it's just very rare to see three of those teams, too, making big moves at the deadline. The Red Sox, the one that didn't. Bloom, I'm putting my faith in him as the Red Sox fan. I still, you know, I still have trust in him to build this team from the ground up and be, you know, a contender a few years from now. Um, but it's obvious that he doesn't view this team as a serious contender right now, in my opinion. I don't think he trusts the guys out there you know, to win a World Series this year. I think if he really did, he would have, you know, got a guy like Anthony Rizzo and paid up for him. Or a Joey Gallo even at the first, at, you know, first base. Because that's a glaring hole. They attempted to, you know, patch it up with a uh, power-hitting outfielder in Kyle Schwarber. And I say outfielder because he's not a infielder. He's not a first baseman. He hasn't played that position in eight years, and you're counting on a guy to relearn that um, in order to make a push for the postseason with – three other contenders surrounding you and you have a lot of divisional games towards the end of the year that's the move that you make to put put yourself over the top I don't agree with it I I know they didn't pay much for him um the Nationals got a much better return as they should have um with Max Scherzer and Trey Turner but it shows you though that I mean the Red Sox nice job didn't have to pay much for him but and we're seeing that production now with the Nationals. They just got some really good pieces, actually, for Turner and Scherzer. But um, I, I do not agree with that move at all. I, you know, first base, I think Dahlbeck in a few years probably going to be ready, um, but not right now. And then Franchi Cordero is, you know, their answer, I guess, as, to, as of right now to their first base problem. I don't agree with that. You know, and Schwarber's hurt, too. We haven't even seen him yet. And it sounds like we won't see him for a little bit. So, um, I don't like that. They also made some, you know, minor bullpen acquisitions with Austin Davis coming in and, um, one other move. Oh, Hansel Robles came coming in from the twins. Um, but you know, those aren't going to really make a huge impact in my opinion down the line. Um, another team though, that I wanted to talk about, well, actually two, uh, the Jays, Blue Jays in the AL East. Now, I, I, you know, as a Red Sox fan, it hurts me to, you know, see Jose Barrios, a great starting pitcher. He has been a bit inconsistent, but a pretty solid starting pitcher with, uh, with ace potential, still pretty young at 27, um, going to the Blue Jays. But I don't like the package that they unloaded. They unloaded a lot for him. Uh, most notably with Simeon Woods Richardson, one of the top prospects. If, I, if not, I need to check, but if not the top prospect in the organization, Going to the Minnesota Twins, I think the Minnesota Twins got a bargain. Seems like they're heading into a rebuild mode, um, but they got a lot, a lot for Jose Barrios. Um, but I do not like what the Blue Jays did. I mean, as we mentioned, the AL East, four really good teams. They're basically fighting for third place in that division, second spot in the wild card, and they can maybe do some damage, but... I don't think this is a this is a World Series ready team. Maybe offensively, yes, but defensively, pitching wise, no, 
No. I think this team is still a few years away. They're very young, too. They did not need to make a move like this. I think Woods Richardson, maybe there's something, I don't know. Maybe he's not ready yet. But when you have a top prospect in the organization with a positional hole at catcher, I, I do not agree with it. But it seems like they are fighting for that second wild card spot, which, by the way, I do not think they're going to get. But it wouldn't surprise me if they do. Um, I do not agree with that move. I think they unloaded way too much. I think they should have made a move for, you know, a guy like Kyle Gibson, you know, throw him in for a year or two. Um, but not Barrios. I, I think they unloaded too much for him, in my opinion. Uh, the A's were another team that we just saw last night had huge production out of the guys they received the deadline. Um, we had Jan Gomes, Josh Harrison, and then Starling Marte, who actually, if you guys saw it, he made a great catch. Uh, but the A's, one of the more underrated teams in baseball, like what they did at the deadline. Uh, but nothing will beat the Dodgers. They just completely outdid themselves and acquire more talent. They are the clear-cut World Series favorites, in my opinion, and I think a lot of others' opinions around Major League Baseball. Um, but that is it for the trade deadline recap. We'll continue to see the fallout from those trades as the season concludes. Um, as far as the NBA free agency, we had a big, big week uh, in the summer league is approaching as well. But I'm going to go back to the Instagram really quick as I'm recording this because I got to check out uh, the post and go over what I would probably change from that list. But we made a list on the first day of NBA free agency, the superlatives. Uh, so we had the best player, most money. Most overrated signing, most underrated signing, best value, worst value, best re-signing, and best sign-and-trade. That was made after the first day, but honestly, not a lot will change on that list. Um, I will say the best player probably now is Kawhi Leonard, who is re-signing with the Clippers. Uh, undisclosed contract right now, but we know it's going to be big money. We know it's probably going to be there, I, I would imagine. A lot, of, you know, a lot of people think maybe this might be a short-term deal. No. I think he's going to be here for probably three or four more years at least. Um, I think he does enjoy L.A. while it may not seem it. He's always, you know, with a with a straight face on the bench, not really a lot of emotions out of Kawhi. But they were desperate to re-sign him. I cannot believe the moves that they made. I mean, to, to really re-sign him, Reggie Jackson took a huge pay cut, um, you know, despite his great playoff performance. I was very surprised, but... Steve Ballmer, the owner, really, really likes him. They like the combination of him and Paul George, even though, you know, he hasn't been fully healthy. But they view him as, you know, one of the best players in this league. I do too. I just think it's time for them to, you know, cut ties. And I would not have done the moves that they made. But that's what they want to do. That's the best player. It's probably going to be the most money. But as of right now, because I'm not counting the contract extensions, um, like Jimmy Butler would be the most money, but that, he wasn't a free agent this year. Um, I'm pretty sure most money right now is Chris Paul. Now I'll have to check. It's not a, you know, a huge thing cause no one really, um, you know, huge was behind, um, Chris Paul or was ahead of Chris Paul besides Leonard, but we don't have the money, um, with him yet. But Chris Paul, most money, four years, 120 million. I think the Suns actually get pretty good value out of that. I mean, $30 million for Chris Paul, a team that you know went from like out of, outside the playoffs to in the NBA Finals in a year just because of this man. I mean, they made some veteran you know additions, but really not a whole lot besides Chris Paul change. Um, and I really, I really like to see him. You know, I, I like to see him succeed. I would have liked to see him win the title this year, but 
he was uh he's the most money i believe um correct me if i'm wrong but i think that's most money so far most overrated signing uh now this has changed because the bulls have made a lot of moves um but i i had alex caruso i would maybe change that to like i would maybe change it to like a kyle lowry or uh tamar Derozan. I, maybe DeMar DeRozan. I, I think that's the move that I really would change. Now, he's a good scorer. Don't get me wrong. He'll be good. He'll be good alongside Levine. I think he puts this team up a level, up a few seeds probably in the Bulls. But people are acting like this team was not already really good before this move. They acted like, you know, this team's going to be all right. Maybe at the bottom of the playoffs, you know, maybe sneaking into the first round, but they'll probably lose. But then, oh, DeMar DeRozan is a super team. No, come on. Let's get real. I mean, the Bulls are the Bulls are good. The Bulls are definitely going to be a competitive team. I, I, You know, no discrediting them. I think they could be a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. But DeMar DeRozan is not the guy that shoots them up like five seeds in a very competitive now Eastern Conference. Um, he did get some good money, though. I don't know it off the top of my head because I actually don't think it's disclosed. Um, yet, but I think that was overrated too. Um, as far as the Spurs go, because that was actually a sign and trade, they did not get much for him. I, but I mean, I don't think they totally should have. He was out of there either way. You might as well get a few players. I think they got Thad Young, maybe some draft picks. Um, but you know, clearly, like DeMar DeRozan isn't the guy that's going to really take you up. Uh, like five seeds in the Eastern Conference. This team was good before him. They had Lonzo Ball, a really nice playmaking point guard who can set the ball up for Levine. Um, and now Nikola Vucevic, um, you know, in that offense. Defensively, I, I think they're still lacking. I don't think the Rosen brings a ton of defensive value. But, you know, it's going to be fun to watch. I think that signing was overrated, though, um, in my opinion. I still think it was a good one, like no discrediting that. You know, if I really looked, I, I could maybe find another one. But as of right now, DeMar DeRozan is the guy there. As far as underrated, I'm sticking with my pick here. It was Gary Trent Jr., three years, $54 million with Toronto. Um, now, I would have put this towards the high end of best value contracts, but there were so many that got underpaid. Um, and I think Gary Trent Jr., this is probably the right contract for him. Um, but I think it was an underrated signing. I think that, you know, for Toronto to lock him up for three more years, people forget Gary Trent is only 22 years old, and he put up, like, nearly 20 points per game with Toronto last season. I think this is a young and now kind of, you know, improving uh, roster. I think they've gotten past, honestly, a very quick, quick rebuild uh, by getting rid of Kyle Lowry, adding now Scotty Barnes. A pick that I didn't really agree with, but I don't hate um, I think they should have gone with Jalen Suggs, but I, I really like Trent as, you know, one of the top scorers on this team. I, I like their starting five. Now you got, uh, with, with the exception of the center position, don't totally know who the answer is going to be there, but I expect we get someone, uh, you know, the answer somewhat soon. Uh, but you got Fred Van Vliet, Trent, probably going to be at the shooting guard, then you got Scotty Barnes, Siakam. They could play a little small ball with Siakam and uh, and Barnes, you know, maybe at the four or the five. 
and OG and Anobi. You don't know how that's going to fit as a starting five, but we'll see. And a very good head coach as well. But I think Trent Jr. going to be the key to this team. I think in a few years we're going to be talking about him like he is a superstar. I think he's going to get probably down the line very similar to what John Collins just got with the um, with the Atlanta Hawks, like $25 million a year. But it was, it was a big contract. Um, I can't remember it off the top of my head because uh, I did have a comment about it. Yeah, it was like $25 million a season for like, I think it was like four or five years. But I think that's what we're going to be talking about. Gary Trent, very high-end score and intense on the defensive side. Not a ton of defense value, but an intense player. Uh, he's into it. I think him and Fred Van Vliet make a great backcourt uh, for the future. I like that signing. Underrated, in my opinion, because it's not talked about very much. And people thought, well, you know, he, he was a sneaky good player, though. Like, people kind of thought, wow, he got overpaid. No, this is underrated. Uh, best value, Cameron Payne, definitely with Phoenix. He ran away with this one. I Maybe I had uh, Reggie Jackson. I did like that one. And then I had a few more uh, that I liked. Uh, I, yeah, I had Kelly Oubre. And then Eric Pascal, which wasn't a signing, but it was a trade. Warriors only got a second-round pick for him, which was crazy to me. But Cameron Payne, three years, $19 million with Phoenix. For a guy that was a great six-man in the postseason and regular season, I think that's ridiculous to give him just over $6 million a year for three years. I was expecting, like, honestly, like 18 or 20, probably from another team. I thought, like, the Knicks or the Celtics could offer him at, like, a starting point guard role. Um, but that, that's crazy to me, the contract he got. That was the most surprising deal, too, to me. Um, and he's also the best re-sign, I think, for the Suns. Good roster last year. May not be as good this year with all the talent um, in, you know, now the East and now the West. But, I, you know, same roster. They're going to be competitive. And I think that was a good idea to retain him. Worst value for me was Evan Fournier. Uh, people forget he was putting up those really, really good numbers with the Orlando Magic. A team that did not have a lot of other talent, not a lot of other scorers. And then when we saw him, when I specifically saw him with the Celtics as a Celtics fan, I was like, this, dude, this is a completely different player. He is not the same. Um, he's still a pretty good scorer. And I, I actually really was surprised to see him do that well uh, in France at the Olympics. But once again, he's playing in France. You know, you don't have a lot of that NBA superstar competing, you know, as, as scoring options. I, four years, nearly $80 million. So that's $20 million a season for Fournier. Come on. I think the Knicks have made some bad signings in the past. I think this is another one. They like those guys who can score on bad teams, and then they think they can you know, scale it up to New York, which has actually been a pretty competitive team as of late, and they think they can produce the same. Evan Fournier will not. He will be on the bench, I think, and don't think he's going to be the right fit in New York. He can provide you know, decent scoring off the bench, but that's not what you pay $20 million for. Um, so I, worst value easily for me was Fournier. Best signing trade, I actually like the addition of Devontae Graham to the New Orleans Pelicans. I think I, I like the ball, the Lonzo Ball one, but little little high end on the price for me. And same thing with Lowry. I think he people forget he's like 36. Uh, I think that's too much money for a 36-year-old for like three years. So I like this signing trade. There's been more lately, um, which I could probably, you know... Um, 
decipher between, but I like this one. Devontae Graham, four years, $47 million with New Orleans. I think they got him on a bargain. People forget he was great with the Hornets two years ago. Now I'm kind of contradicting myself because that was a bad team, but Graham is still very young. That's the difference between him and Fournier. He's a lot younger um, and you know, a little less experienced league too. So I think he'll grow. He'll be nice in that young New Orleans uh, team and that young New Orleans backcourt too. Him and Probably Nikhil Walker-Alexander will fit well alongside uh, Williamson, Brandon Ingram. And now you got Jonas Valanciunas being added to. I like that one. And they didn't. They gave up a first-round pick, but I think that's worth it. For a guy like Devontae Graham, who you know is basically a first-round pick, maybe a bit older, um, you're getting a guaranteed talent. You know what you're getting straight up. First-round pick, you don't know what you're getting. Um, and I, I like that. I like that move a lot for New Orleans. They get a you know clear-cut young starting point guard who can be there for a while. So I like that. We're up to about 25 minutes now on the podcast, so I got to kind of wrap it up. I want to keep these episodes a bit shorter. Um, but we'll talk about Carson Wentz and the Giants. Uh, now, the problem with these two headlines is, there's well, there's two problems. So the first one is with Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson, it's 5 to 12 weeks. So we don't know if it's going to be 5, if it's going to be 12, it's go- if it's going to be somewhere in between. So this could t- completely change because if it's 5 weeks, you don't totally need to sign a big replacement for Carson Wentz. And same thing with Nelson. I don't think they need to really sign a replacement for Nelson. Um, but if it's 12, you're like, well... All right, you know, what do you want to do here? Because our season is basically over if we start Jacob Eason. Um, or maybe you test him out, see if he is the answer, or you sign a better. It really can depend. The Giants also, I, you know, we weren't there. We didn't see totally what happened, so I could be wrong, but this is what was reported and how it was started. Um, it was by a few dirty hands. I'll start with the Carson Wentz one, though, and we'll talk about what they need to do. Um, you know, I'm going to say this injury and I, and I think this has been, you know, the projection from a lot of, um, these NFL reporters about eight weeks, about eight, maybe a little less, maybe one more, but eight weeks, but their schedule is brutal to start off. I don't think Jacob Eason, I watched him at University of Washington. He wasn't bad, but you can see he's not NFL ready. He's still very young. He's got, you know, a big arm, not a lot else. He can't handle teams like the Rams and the Seahawks to begin the season. You know, you got a weak division, too. That's, that's what you have going for you. So you can win those divisional games. You got to win versus a team like the, the Texans or the Jaguars. But, you know, a lot of just tough matchups to begin the season. You're facing off against the NFC West this year across, uh, across divisions. Or cross conferences, rather. Yeah, that's the, probably the toughest division in football, and you're in the weakest. So, I don't know. I in my eyes, I bring in a veteran. I would maybe even test out Philip Rivers. Now, I I would be more confident with this if Philip Rivers didn't announce his retirement, because that makes me feel like he probably hasn't been you know training um, that much recently. I know he took up like a high school coach job. Um, so I don't know if he's still in shape. It hasn't been that long since he played, but I like what he did in the playoffs. He's very familiar with this team. He played here last year. I would like to bring him back. Um, I like the possibility of Nick Foles. He's reportedly, he said he's, you know, felt like he's been better than he was in the Super Bowl right now in terms of his shape and 
you know, what his play could be. So I would like those two. I think those two, uh, probably the most likely um, replacements for Carson Wentz, but I think those two make sense. There's not a whole lot of others that I would bring in. There's not a lot of whole other unsigned quarterbacks. Like a lot of teams this offseason got really good backup quarterbacks. Um, you know, like Mitch Trubisky of the Bills. You, you can't really get him now if you're the Colts. But I, the bottom line, I don't think Jacob Eason is ready. If it's for five weeks, then you maybe test him out. But that I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I would like to bring in a veteran, maybe even Andy Dalton, see if you can snag him from the Bears. Just bottom line, bring in a veteran. I like the Nick Foles and Phillip Rivers picks. Um, I think Frank Reich is an experienced guy. The right move is not to sign like a younger quarterback even. I would, I would go with a veteran. You can bring in until Carson is back. And, you know, keep him on the roster for probably the rest of this year because, you know, with his injury history, I do not totally feel confident in Carson Wentz in the quarterback of the future in Indianapolis. Um, but that, that, would, that would be what I would do if I'm uh, Chris Ballard, the Colts general manager. Um, as far as the Giants go, uh, now I had a lot of debate in the, uh, in the comments section of my post. Now, a lot of people to me said, you know, if, if this is, you know, offense, defense, you know, I'm not really worried. I'm not really worried if fighting practice, they're eager to compete. And I get that, yeah. But when it started by a few dirty hits, which is what I heard, I could be wrong. Ian Rappaport, though, very um, reliable reporter, I believe, uh, said that it was started by a few dirty hits. So, and most notably, it was like Evan Ingram, Logan Ryan, um, after Corey Clement, one of their new additions, broke out a big run. These guys got into it. The whole team got into it. That is something that you don't see very often. And for a quarterback to end up in the bottom of the pile, possibly getting injured before the season, we're expecting a lot out of Daniel Jones. The team, the offense is on his shoulders with all these additions, all these fancy new guys coming in, surrounding him, just so you know you can put him in a place where to find out if he's a real quarterback. If he's in the bottom of the pile with you know 300-pound linemen on top of him, no. No, no, not the right move. I think Joe Judge was honestly right to discipline this team. Um, practice ended early that day. I get it. These guys are eager to compete, and that probably had a little bit to do with it, but you do not. That doesn't sound to me like a team that's, you know, just ready to, you know, face the football team. That sounds to me like a team that does not have their chemistry rolling up, especially for a very young team. A lot of new additions coming in this offseason. Kenny Galladay, who's reportedly been struggling. You just had Calvin Benjamin with, I don't know if you guys saw the things he said. He was like, Joe Judge can never be a Super Bowl coach. He just sits there and cusses all day. A lot of turmoil in that organization right now. Um, and, and Benjamin was released, by the way. But I, I just, I, that's not good to see. And, you know, for, I, I know new additions coming in, a lot of new young guys coming in. That means that you want to have, you know, you want to build a culture. I think they want to build that culture around Joe Judge, new front office coming in. Um, and Joe Judge is a very hard-nosed head coach, special teams guy, grindy, Patriots, Bill Belichick. I don't think it's the right move to have guys fighting in practice. And, you know, when it's the whole team, that becomes an issue. That becomes a concern, not only now, down the line, um, and that, to me, knocks probably a win or two off of uh, 
of their uh, the record projection this year in in my eyes. You know, you guys could disagree with me. Um, I love to hear it though. I love to hear you guys disagree with me. To be honest, um, you know, I'm not always right, and I like to debate with you guys. It's it's fun to hear what you guys have to say. Um, as long as you back it up. But um, but yeah, I, I, that that's my opinion on the Giants. I think they got an opportunity this year with Jones surrounded by all this talent. Now finally healthy, it seems like. Saquon Barkley ready to go. I think you got one of the top defenses, most underrated defense in the NFL. Good head coach. O-line is, is kind of a question mark, but you got a lot of young pieces there. Um, and you got a really good new tight end, Kyle Rudolph, to pair with Evan Ingram. This team, you know, they have a lot of... A lot of hope, and in a division that is by far the worst in football, it's wide open. I think this is their year, but to me, not the right way to start um, with a fight in practice. I think this would have been a – you know what? I would have liked it, though, if this team, and they almost were, were, were selected for hard knocks. I don't know if you, know if you guys watched that show, but uh, the Cowboys were selected this year. You guys should watch it, though. It's on HBO. It's hard knocks. It goes all over the training camps uh, and practices before the season. Who gets cut? What goes on behind the scenes? Um, I'm not sponsored by them or anything. I, I just thought you know this would be an interesting story if they were on our knocks because that would be fun to see. I, I I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Joe Judge with that. But then after the practice, by the way, Joe Judge called a meeting with only his players, none of their coaches. I think this team, you know, that that could totally turn them around. That could be a wake up call, but. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be fun to see how that Giants season unfolds. NFL preview, including the Giants record, is going to come out soon, um, along with fantasy stuff, too, for fantasy football guys. That will be out soon. Uh, As far as this podcast goes, it'll be up soon. I hope to uh, give it to you guys probably Sunday night um, if I'm able to. But that's going to wrap it up for Episode 1. Let me know your thoughts below. You can DM me on Instagram or wherever you're listening to it. Um, your thoughts on the podcast if you'd like to be on it too looking for some guests but uh this is just episode one give some feedback uh i hope to see you guys soon though peace out